0: Hi, this is Jeff.
1: And this is Mariana.
0: And we're professional storytellers who love books.
1: Welcome to Fiction Friends.
0: Where we take a deep dive into the most popular fiction titles in all of literature.
1: From classic reads and old time favorites
0: to modern romance and contemporary thrillers.
1: Join us as we discover new ways to read, look at, and talk about books.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you stay up to date with every new release.
1: everyone it's the first time jet and I ever recorded together in yes. a studio
0: we're in the <laughs> <And> same we... <laughs> room for the first time
1: yes and we are so excited to be finally doing the pod face to face together in one room yeah so we would like to thank our sponsor for this episode jet do you want to share where we're at
0: yeah so today we're recording to you from here co-working space from here co-working is a collaborative place where you can work focus build strategize and play. To put it simply, you can do it all from here. They offer dedicated and flexible workspaces for individuals who need a place to work. They also cater to creatives like us who need a space to do our hobbies and passions. You can be a part of the From Here community by following them on social media at From Here Cebu, again that's at From Here Cebu on Facebook and Instagram. So thank you from here for being the first ever sponsor of Fiction Friends and for allowing me and Mariana to record in person for the first time. Um, Context for all our listeners. Actually, Mariana and I, because of the quarantine and the pandemic, we've always been doing our podcast sessions via Zoom and now is the first time we're actually talking in person. Sometimes so this we're is not in the same island. Yeah, so, yeah. so Mariana is mostly based in Dumaguete a lot and I'm based in Cebu. So uh, Now we're actually in the same island and we're in the same room. So we're <laughs> recording this together for the first time yeah. in person and we're very excited about it. But that's not the only reason I'm excited. Today's book review is about one of my personal favorite books. It's The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. And I'll be honest with you, Mariana. Um, when I first when I first approached you to
1: discuss the possibility yeah. of
0: doing the podcast, I really just wanted to talk about Catcher in the Rye because it's one of those books that I was I just want to talk to anybody about it. Who's anybody who's willing to listen? And I'm very excited that we're reviewing this for the pod today. So, for the for new listeners, we usually start this pod with a spoiler free summary of the book and a spoiler free review. So. It's written from the perspective of a kid named Holden. He's 16 and he's over he's watching this high school football game, I think, and he's contemplating about whether to return back to school or not. And in eventually he decides that he's not going to return back to school because he's flunking out, except for one subject that he's doing well in, which happens to be English. And that gives us a clue into the themes of the book. But we'll get into that later on. Yeah. So he decides to Drop out of school, and then he takes a trip to New York City, which is nearby. And it's the book is essentially a chronicling of his trip to New York and his one weekend there. And um, that's essentially the entire plot of the story. Exciting one weekend. (laughs) Yes, the entire book's just everything that happened to him in one weekend. So while that the plot might not might not seem very exciting, there's actually a lot to unpack there. So um, yeah. So what do you wanna do? You wanna get into? How, you, how the book made you feel, Mariana? Like, what were your initial thoughts reading? Because yeah. I'm curious. This is the first time that you've read this. Sige. And this is my third time.
1: Let me unload a whole lot Sige. for the first part of this pod. So it's just, it's just unusual because I was getting teary-eyed writing a review for The Catcher in the Rye. But I had no feelings at all for my entire reading journey. But last night, as I was reading my notes, I was close to tears because I felt bad for the character. So if you if you've been reading reviews, it's really a mixed bag because some people really, really love the book and some of them hate it. I'm it's gonna, very
0: polarizing. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm gonna get into it later as to why I feel bad for him okay so the catcher in the rye is kind of similar to a book we've just finished also for the pod which is Norwegian wood and this might be a sin to some that I'm even thinking of comparing but I felt the need to considering that reading both of them felt like I was floating around waiting for nothing yeah (laughs) and I found similarities between the two main characters both of them impulsive spontaneous and dealing with a big black dog but Holden seems to be very much more interesting compared to the main character in Norwegian Wood, Toru. For starters, Holden isn't a pushover. And yeah, well, however, Norwegian Wood setting, along with the activities they did, made me end up liking that novel more than this by point two at least. Mm-hmm. But not, yeah, not something super big so the book is rated 3.8 on goodreads but it only gets a flat three from me Mm -hmm. so let's start first with why i like the book so it's written in first person and if you've been a listener you'd know how i feel about books written in first person so yeah that's my preferred style because it brings me closer to the character and i found the novel somewhat relatable 30 percent to be oddly specific so it was relatable in the sense that the main character holden feels bad about a lot of things even weird unnecessary ones and i'm totally like this especially when he's like oh it's so sad the guy's already 60 and this is what he does remember yeah. there's a part of the book where he sees someone with this job and he's old and yeah. he's like sad about it because he was already old and that was he's still, still his job yeah yeah so yeah I'm, I'm like that i feel bad for a lot of people And he also has a severe dislike for phonies, something I can relate to. And as a Virgo, you get annoyed by a lot of things. Sometimes you wake up and everything's annoying to you. So yes, hold on. Let's whine together. So you can see how this character has pure intentions. He has a big heart. He has this love for innocence, which explains why he adores his siblings, specifically Phoebe, his sister, and his other brother, Ali. Yeah. Okay, so now let's go to why I'm not a fan. Uh So the whole reading experience felt like I'm listening to a classmate who is pissed about every single thing. Yes. I remember there was a part of the book where he was talking about a kid who whistled for the (laughs) entire page. It was just about that. It really had nothing to add to the story. Yeah. So at first glance, this may seem too whiny, but there's a lot going on beneath the surface of just him whining. So Holden's character reminds me of Huckleberry Finn. Have okay. You read Yeah, Mark Twain. Yeah. So Mark there there was Frank another Wink. character also like Huckleberry Finn. I forgot.
0: Uh The Adventures Sawyer? of Tom Sawyer. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think. I think Like, they both have zero direction, running away, and I find characters like this kind of annoying to read Mm -hmm. for me. But, I mean, we don't have to like Holden. We just have to see things from his point of view, trying to understand why he thinks the way he thinks, which also gives you a hint of how the character is also an ungrateful prick. (laughs) He calls everyone phony. He nitpicks the weirdest thing about his friends, people he meets, Everyone in the book in general. But really, the biggest phony is him. Yeah. So this book had a tendency of leaning on to redundancy. Words are repeated a gazillion times. Like b- old, yeah. catholic, and phony. So there's a whole lot of uninteresting conversations. But I also feel like that had to be. Because the character is also seeking a way out of his mundane existence. Or maybe not existence, but how his life has been for a while. Mm-hmm. So I found the plot kind of loose. Yeah. And I guess this is supposed to be how it's structured, which made it hard to flip the page, but I rushed it because if I do park it, I wouldn't be able to finish the novel at all. Well, it's
0: a short novel anyway, so. So yeah. yeah. So it
1: was like easier to finish more than yeah. the other one. But the, there were blurry parts of the book and it comes with the narrator being just as unreliable. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear what you have this to, to say about something that we need to discuss in the spoiler segment of the podcast that okay. I just have to clarify sure. if we're thinking about the same thing. So to sum it all up, books like this are not my type from the genre to the plot itself. But even if you're not a fan, you still have to give books like this chances. And that's how you grow as a reader. Yeah. So no book is ever a waste of time, yeah. even if you dislike it. Yeah.
0: So I'm glad that you brought up, well actually uh, for, new, for newer listeners, uh, Mariana and high. Uh, we have very different priorities when it comes to judging stories. So Mariana is more plot-driven. She likes action, things that are constantly happening. And I'm more character-driven. I like plots that are driven by character depth, dialogue, stuff that conflict that happened internally within the characters. And that's the kind of book that the catcher in The Rye was. So um, if you're looking for a book that has a lot of things going on, like in terms of plot, you're not going to get that here.
1: Not at all. Not
0: at all. And... Given that, given that it's a character-driven book, it was very interesting that you mentioned that you don't like, you're not supposed to like Holden Caulfield. Yeah. And when you're writing a character-driven book and the main character is so unlikable, how could you ever make <laughs> that book good. likable, right? <laughs> and um, that's
1: true. I think that's
0: part of the genius of J.D. Salinger yeah. that he made this book so interesting despite the main character being the way that Holden is. Yeah. He's very polarizing in his personality, and um, yeah, I'm I I. There's a reason why it's one of my most favorite books of all time, and I'm going to get into it right now. I would brand this book as the anti-anti coming of age story. Like there are stories out there that we're so familiar with, you know, um, kids that are forced that are put into positions to grow up, and that's essentially what this book is also about. But it's more of a commentary on those kinds of stories because um, not all kids are always prepared to do that, and that's what Holden represents. Typically, coming of age means a person who has resigned himself to believe that it's time for him to enter a new phase of his life. But um, that's not necessarily the case with Holden because it's it's so complex with him. Um, There are so many things that he's dealing with internally. So it's not necessarily a coming of age story, but it's close to it or it's an anti-form of it. Yeah. Um. It's written in the first person's voice, but you're made to believe that he's a very unreliable narrator because he's yeah. very, as you said, he's very uh, hypocritical. He's very <laughs> hypocritical. Like he judges people for doing things, and then he d- he goes ahead and does the same yeah, exact exactly. thing, or he d- or he says the same exact thing. He's always asking you to believe in him. Like uh, he always, there's the, there are these sentences where he says trust me or believe me. Uh. <laughs> you know. He ends his He starts or ends his sentences asking you to trust in him or to believe in him, it reinforces the point that uh, maybe he's not as believable as uh, to be. he as he claims to be. That's right. Um, subli- subliminally, he is obsessed with the idea of preserving his youth and his childhood. And that's a recurring theme that we're going to get into on and on again over the book because he despises uh, adulthood so much. He, he despises the fact that adults are such phonies and yeah. fakes and whatever. And um, that's something that he always goes back to. Um, it's frustrating. It's a frustrating read for two reasons. Again, number one, it's the character. And the second one is the philosophy of the book. So um, first, Holden is a very frustrating character because he's clearly in denial about a lot of his feelings and he's a bit of a hypocrite. But there are also redeeming uh, aspects to his personality. He's a very sweet boy. You can tell that he's a very empathetic and thoughtful character. It's just that he's been through a lot. And he's sort of been knocked into yeah. uh, days daze uh, in life. Ultimately, the way he tells his story will have you really annoyed. Because his unreliability forces you to second-guess everything that you're uh, listening or reading him say. So you have to do a lot of reading between the lines in order for you to really understand what's going on and for you to really extract the truth from the storytelling. This is definitely not an easy read. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking yeah. for an easy read, don't Skip go for this, this. book. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the language is very convoluted because Holden himself is a convoluted person. Mm. Holden is very complex and he's definitely not for everyone. I I can argue that not many people would like him if you met him in real life, but there's a lot of depth to his character. It's just that you're the one who has to bring that depth out. If you can't find that depth, then you won't be able to appreciate the book. But we'll we'll talk more about how you can appreciate Holden later on. The characters in this book There are not too many of them. It's really Holden and the people who are closest to him and the people he happens to encounter in New York. They feel very intentional. None of them are there as like mere placeholders. They always carry some kind of philosophical weight and we can get into that later. Uh, Depth is very relative when it comes to reading in general. This book is very metaphorical. And I felt like J.D. Salinger wrote this book as an answer to the people who say, you know, Popular media, when it comes to TVs, movies, or books, you know, they're not meant to be overthought. You don't have to overthink them. You don't have to overanalyze or, you know, uh, go really deep into the metaphor so much. You know, popular media is supposed to be enjoyed and taken as is. Yeah. And I felt like this book is the complete opposite of that, well, that where yeah. J D JD Salinger just says, no, there you can make content or media that that isn't necessarily enjoyable just at face level you can only enjoy it once you take the time to actually really think about it and let the the philosophy and the thoughts sink with you sink in yeah and i felt like this book did that perfectly and it's it's really evident because as you said it's very polarizing there are many people who really really hate this book yeah. uh, just because there's so in between yeah,
1: it's either you love it or you
0: hate it, it. You hate. it's not a meh book at all yeah. it's not in between so uh, i guess <laughs> that he succeeded in that part we, we can get, maybe we can, as we get deeper into spoiler territory, we can talk about why it Wyatt, is that yeah. way. The depth of Catcher is ultimately dependent on how much depth you can derive from it. If you're looking for a book that you just want to read and not have to think about it, then no, this book yeah. is not for you at all. But if you're the type of reader who believes that literature is something that should challenge you to really think and connect with those who are unlike you, and Holden is unlike Many people that we meet. Yeah, so uh, you can understand them better Then you know, this is a good read. Catcher is definitely still, in my opinion, one of the most important pieces of literature to have come out of the 20th century. And I think if you're a book reader, regardless of your tastes, this is necessary reading. You might not necessarily like it, but it's an important read nonetheless. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I think that covers who we think this book is for also. A lot of people say that uh, since Holden is in high school, this book can be recommended to high school students, and it's actually necessary reading for high school students, also. But I'm not so sure if high school students have the life experience to really uh, appreciate the book the way that's supposed to be appreciated. What do you think?
1: I think we should, since it's a coming of age fiction, yeah. we could still recommend this to young adults. Okay, yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah. mean, people of Holden's a, age. Yeah, isn't this like a, a book that? your teacher's force it is, you to read. It is, yeah. It like is an unnecessary school, read. Yeah. yeah, we were not yeah. made to but read But in the States,
0: this. they do because it's, the it's supposedly the- one of the great American novels, novels. of the yeah. 20th century. Yeah, yeah. So I, it is recommended for high school students like in the educational systems. but I yeah. personally think that you have to be a little older to appreciate, to appreciate it. it. Yeah, the way that it's supposed to be. Or maybe, I don't know. I that, that's like just my if, thought.
1: Yeah, if I read this when I was still like high school, I feel like I would have your spite yeah. for this book. Yeah. But like now, I don't hate it. Yeah. Like I thought I would but like I didn't hate it. Uh-huh. Like it was okay. I also it thought you okay. would. Yeah, you thought <laughs> Honestly, I would? Like, I thought you would.
0: <laughs>
1: when I was reading Norwegian Wood, I was like, oh, when am I gonna finish? It was more that than with this one. This one I was really like perfectly fine but then with the other one, I felt like super tired yeah. reading it. At least this one's not exhausting.
0: Okay. So I think that covers our initial review uh, our initial thoughts about the book. Maybe we can go into context and awards. Yeah. Okay. So J.D. Salinger actually wrote this book while he was at war. He carried the pages with him um, when he was at the beaches in Normandy. So yeah. World War II at the time. So he was writing this book while he was at war. At war. And it's interesting because there are so many war novels out there whose authors weren't, weren't actually... Haven't experienced war as much as JD Salinger did, and that's why a lot of people who were analyzing the book actually thought that it was a metaphor for the
1: for how he the felt trauma
0: that you experience at war. But I'm I'm not one of those people. But it, it it is a theory that Holden represents people who go through the harshness of war and then come out very hardened. And, and uh, but I'm not necessarily one of those people.
1: There are scenes in the book
0: yeah that talk, talk about, about war because
1: of his older brother.
0: Yes. Um, it was originally published in 1951. It's Salinger's only full-length novel. He stopped writing in the 60s because he just he was just done with it. He didn't want the fame that was associated with writing. Oh. So uh, he just quit and he lived a relatively secret life after, after that. It's the second most banned book because of its offensive language, second only to The Great Gatsby.
1: That's what my boyfriend said. And I was like, Are you sure? Yeah. While reading it. Because yeah. I was like, Why? Yeah. Why would this be banned? I you guess, know that. again,
0: the offensive language. And then I you know there's some talks of prostitution and everything and with high school mm-hmm. pro- Yeah, and stuff ah, like
1: that. Ah, okay. Yeah.
0: It has never been made into a movie. And that's interesting because. Salinger himself never wanted his any of his works to be made into a movie. a movie. And Holden himself, actually, the character, keeps on saying how much he hates movies and how he thinks uh, people in movies are phony. Um, so,
1: I thought they were... He was watching Plays yeah, that time. Yeah, he was
0: watching Plays, plays which yeah. is a, a hypocritical thing again, a part of his <laughs> hypocritical character. But um, yeah, so his brother is actually oh, yeah, a
1: Hollywood, a Hollywood
0: writer. And then he, he, he says, my brother's a phony because he's in Hollywood and stuff like that. Yeah. So There are many offers for movie adaptations. Most notably, Steven Spielberg offered to direct a movie oh. of Catcher in the Rye. But John Salinger's estate uh, refused because they, they know that That's... he would never have wanted it to be turned be into a... a movie, yeah. So as of as of 2017, these are the latest stats that I could get. I'm very sorry, I couldn't find any more recent stats. As of 2017, more than 65 million books copies of um, Catcher in the Rye have been sold. So
1: sixty
0: 65 uh, million million. Yeah, yeah, it's one of Time Magazine's 100 best novels of the 20th century, and it's one of The Guardian's 100 best books of all time. And with that. I think we can conclude our spoiler-free portion of the okay. book. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we can close this by saying like, I, I understand why it's a very important book and why it's one of the 100 best books best, of all yeah. time. It, uh, personally speaking, it's one of my top five favorite books of all time and we'll get to that later on. But yeah, uh, so if again, if you're interested in reading this book because you want a reading challenge and you want to challenge your analytical skills and really... Yeah digging deep and figuring out the depth of the characters then this is the book for you if you're looking for something casual and light maybe skip this book for now yeah. <laughs> come back to it uh, later on when you when you feel like reading something heavy um, anything else you want to say or should we go to the break?
1: yeah we should do the break
0: okay uh, that'll do for our spoiler free review we'll be back after this break and that concludes the spoiler free portion of the episode if you do plan on reading the book please feel free to come back and join us in the conversation in the second part of this episode. We'll be right back.
1: So for this segment, I will switch it up a bit to lines instead of moments and quotes because there were no moments that stood out to me, but there are so many funny lines in the book because the character is so witty. So this might not come off as funny when I say it, here simply for the lack of a backstory but so that's what we're gonna do for this one yeah so before we do quotes can i ask you yeah some questions go ahead so as mentioned in the early part of the podcast there are things that were not clear to me so i want to hear what you have to say yeah so first things first there's a scene in the book mm-hmm. where he sleeps in his teacher's couch yes Mr. and i'm yes, not sure yes, if yes. that's the the... It's
0: towards the end of the book.
1: Yeah, it's towards the end of the book and then he sleeps there. Yeah. And he woke up to him mm-hmm. touching his head. Yes. Do you think Mr. Antolini was being fatherly? He definitely fatherly, was. <laughs> uh, or was it something sexual? suggestive.
0: Yeah. Before I uh, give my answer, I want to preface this by saying that everyone's going to have different interpretations of what oh, happened yeah. in that scene. It's very ambiguous for a reason. But Because he, way...
1: be, he didn't want to talk about it. Right. That's the thing.
0: So, um... Holden has, he's naturally spiteful of adults. It's very rare for him to be trusting of adults. And this teacher uh, happens to be one of the few adults he trusts, right? Yeah. And that scene played out in such a way that the teacher, I felt like oh, Salinger wanted to portray that even the, the person that Holden trusted the most that uh, as an adult, still gave him a reason not to trust him. And it further validated Holden's whole philosophy of how adults are just complete phonies. Like, they're not the people that they think they are. are. Yeah, Yeah. so he definitely... uh, For me, he definitely did... That was sexual. That was a sexual advance. The rubbing of the head.
1: Yeah. Okay. And I did not expect him to end up in...
0: A mental institution. Institution, Yeah. Like, Yeah.
1: Was it really the end? Like, I was so shocked. Yeah. He had, I mean, so do you think he needed that? Because the breaking of the windows part was yeah. obviously because of grief. His brother. Because, yeah. Um, his brother, his favorite brother, dies. Allie. Yeah. Ali dies. So, I think. Don't you think this is just like a normal reaction because you're so sad that your brother died. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's still dealing with grief but I don't yeah. think it's enough to send him in a mental institution.
0: Yeah. And he's But young. I think the reason that they sent him to the mental institution is because the grief was already manifesting in everything that happened yeah. in the book. Essentially dropping out of school and well, going to a motel yeah. and getting into fights with, you know, his, his dorm mates and with that Renting a prostitute and getting into a fight with a pimp—you know, these are, <laughs> these are not things that the kid should be doing. Essentially, um, I think it's very important. But to that make... wasn't
1: even his fault. The right. pimp.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting that in the end it's revealed that he's already in the mental institution. So what we're made to uh, understand from that is, as he's narrating this book, he's already in the mental, in the mental institution. institution. So, and once we get to that part. He doesn't want to tell the story anymore. He feels like his story is done. And I feel like, oh, I'm getting goosebumps saying that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So um, I feel like it says so much about how he's so unwilling to confront his mental uh, sickness, his mental illness, that he just decides to cut the story there. But he understands that there's something wrong with him. And because he, you know, consented to be in a mental institution and he's there now. And yeah, it's one of the few books that actually talked about mental health that early on. Like in the nineteen fifties, yeah, mental health wasn't really, yeah, very uh, as popular, popular as it, as is, it now. is now. Yeah. So
1: I also never thought that catcher in the Rye, correct me if I'm wrong, uh-huh. meant he wanted to catch the kids before they fall into the abyss of not being innocent anymore. Yes. Like is that how it meant to you? Like is that how yes. it means? Yeah, no? that's that's
0: exactly how it means. So it's um well, again it's all a matter of uh, how you perceive it. Yeah. But yeah, for me that's also what it meant. It's one of the rare times, in fi- We did this when we were talking about uh it ends with us remember when you asked me um did I have that eureka moment yeah. or that aha wow moment when I when I heard um Colleen Hoover write the words it ends with us Yeah. It's that it, I had that exact moment when I read gotcha. the catcher in the rye Maybe. metaphor because I never I mean it I also felt the same way about to kill a mockingbird because I know it's the kind of book where like you don't that You can't extract what the story is based on the title because you're yeah. like, what does, what does this have to do with, what, what does it mean to be a catcher in, in the eye? So um, so Holden envisions himself in a rye field and he says that it's his dream job in life. If there are little kids, he just wants little kids to play around in the rye field and they're just running around and there it happens to be like on a cliff. And yeah. when he notices that there, were, there are kids who are about to fall off the cliff, his dream is to just be the one who catches, catches them and them, makes yeah. sure that, no, just stay here, just keep on playing. So it's essentially his whole philosophy of um I want kids to enjoy their childhood and
1: it's, Peter Pan? from
0: my understanding it's because it's because his brother never got to do that
1: yeah yeah that's so true
0: yeah and he it's really every all of the trauma in this book stems from his brother's death yeah I feel like so yeah which I which I'll get into later on also so yeah so there's this one book that uh uh, there's this one quote that I really like. He says, I'm quite illiterate, but I read a lot. <laughs> yeah. which, which is so funny because... What part? It's on page 21, so it's relatively oh, no, it's a, early on. He was
1: still in the dorm He was still room. in the school, yeah. yeah.
0: He, he, he narrates, he says, I'm quite illiterate, but I read a lot. And it says a lot about who he is because, um, again, he was flunking in every major subject yeah. except English. So he really likes reading. reading he, likes, yeah. he likes escaping essentially that's what he's trying to tell us does I he, feel he? he likes to escape into literature uh, yeah. a lot because reality is too much for him to bear do you have any other quotes you want do you have any quotes you want to bring up
1: no minus like funny lines bana uh,
0: yeah, okay so I, I, I have actually another quote that connects on. to reading he says what really knocks me out in a book that when you're all done reading it you wish that the author that wrote it was a terrific friend of yours and you could call him up on the phone whenever you felt like it.
1: I like that also. Right? Yeah. And
0: it speaks to the point of literature being about empathy and letting others know that, you know, you you connect with them. So it's, yeah. it's, it's J.D. Salinger's way of saying, if you happen to relate with Holden, I want you to know that there are people who can connect with you, who who can relate to yeah. you, and um, you might not be able to phone me as a, as an author. Like don't call me up on my phone. phone but yeah. This is my way. This book is my way of telling you that you know yeah, you're, you're not, not alone. alone. Yeah. yeah. It's very it's a very nice. It's a very nice quote. You wanna go first? You wanna you wanna say one?
1: So yeah, I can start with a funny line. Okay. So the first one is about this antisocial doormate. and it goes like.
0: Which one is this? Is this Stradlater or the other one? No, the funny one. one. The pimple guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What's his name? I I forgot forgot his his name. So
1: he has this he has this um doormate who's filled with pimples. Yeah. And he always talks about how disgusting this guy (laughs) is. I forgot his name. Yeah. Wait, anyway, so it goes like he always wanted to know. Who was going? I swear, if that guy was shipwrecked somewhere and you rescued him in a goddamn boat, he'd want to know who the guy was that was rowing it before he would even get in.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's funny because I can relate to it. I always ask, why? Who's going? Who's going? Like, I'm big on that. (laughs) And then, but at the same time, this line was also reflective of what his doormate was really like from the pimple filled face description down to the things he says. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I found that very funny for... Like, it was a funny description for that guy that...
0: Actually, Holden can be quite witty and funny a lot, right? Yeah. he is. Right? He is. Yeah. Like,
1: I was laughing a lot when I was, like, reading this book. What's yours? What's yours? I
0: have another one. It, it, it was also funny. It was when they were um, in New York already, and he was um, he was on the date with this girl. Yeah. And then they were, like, roller skating. They were in the okay. roller skating rink and then holden was talking about this show where a guy is in roller skates and he does this whole like routine on the roller skates and and he and then holden says he was a very good skater and all but i couldn't enjoy it much because i kept picturing him practicing to be a guy that roller skates on the stage it seemed so <laughs> stupid i guess i just wasn't in the right mood and it it, it i feel it like it's very sense. relevant today yeah. like you you see especially when in, in the in the in the age of content creation, creation where there yeah. are so many people who are just like like they Practicing put so much effort into their cinematography specific, and everything yeah. but as i'm watching it i just can't help but feel like that's so fake because <laughs> like in my mind <laughs> Holy... it's just like i know you practiced everything that you, yeah. you're doing there so like yeah i mean like it's amazing how relevant this book is, this like, book is six even years. Up to, yeah even yeah. up to now yeah i mean uh I, I found my when i was reading that i was like oh this is a comment i tell my girlfriend all the time <laughs> like whenever i see some like tiktoker t- yeah or like uh, <laughs> a youtuber who does like uh, you know, who put so much effort into their cinematography. Like, yeah. they, they put the camera down and then they have to walk out of the room and then they film themselves going into going, the room yeah. and they're like, I know what you did there. Like, I, like, I, mean, exactly. I, I know what happened there. Like, like the it's day so in fake. <laughs> video. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I think I, I get, Holden has a lot of uh, commentary like that. It's exactly. really funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any other more la- yeah, lines like that? Yeah, more. Yeah, go ahead.
1: So the second moment and or line was when he was talking about the disciples because yeah. I really find like, religion commentary. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. So he was talking about the disciples of Jesus and he said, They annoy the hell out of me. If you want to know the truth, they were all right after Jesus was dead and all, but while he was alive, they were about as much used to him as a hole in the head. All they did was keep letting him down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so <all> true. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's it. That's
0: Was it. this when he saw the nuns, right? That was yeah, in- yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and then he was yeah he felt bad for the nuns yeah, so that's when you can see that, that his character is really sympathetic
0: he is yeah yeah uh, yeah and there's that it's a trend actually it's not just the nuns he also felt bad felt for the bad prostitute for, yeah
1: and... <laughs> for the, that that prostitute scene was so funny yeah, like that i found was that funny. so funny yeah. <laughs> but it made a lot of sense yeah so my last one is yeah when he was talking about being in a like he was talking about war mm-hmm. and then It was something like, he'd rather be in front of the firing squad because he can't stand looking at necks. Because you know how, like, in Boy Scout or... In CAT or NSTP, mm-hmm. um, they force you to look at the neck in front of you to observe a, <laughs> yeah. a straight line, yeah. and he's so annoyed. Like he doesn't want to look at neck That he'd rather be in front of the line <laughs> yeah. in, in a firing squad. So yeah, that's yeah. that's all. That's all. He has me. the
0: most random thoughts, yeah. and which then, is so funny. But they're also. so relatable. Like his thoughts are like, I've had this kind of thought before, and I understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he's not afraid of being weird. Yeah, yeah, which is
1: nice about him. Yeah,
0: but it it can also be off-putting. His like his very his his way of because he talking. complains
1: about everything. He's very why. whiny.
0: Yeah, I actually don't have any more quotes, but moment. It's hard because the moments they tie into the quote. Co- they're they're quotes, but they're also moments. Moments. So yeah. I think we can just merge the merge two. Merge that. Yeah. For for now, so there's this segment on page thirty-three where he's talking about his. He was talking about Strad later. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just read the whole quote.
1: But I hate that guy.
0: Yeah. That's something else that gives me a royal pain. I mean, if you're good at writing compositions and somebody starts talking about commas, Strad later was always doing that. He wanted you to think that the only reason he was lousy at writing compositions was because he stuck all the commas in the wrong place. Yeah. He was a little bit like Ackley that way. Uh, so here, in that whole section, he's complaining about how um, Strad later was saying, like, Uh, He doesn't know how to stick the commas in the right place. But there's this passage in that paragraph, he says, he was a bit like Ackley, comma, that way. So J.D. Salinger deliberately placed a comma in a sentence that there shouldn't have been a comma. So um, I think it was the writer's way of saying, this book, it's not just about the dialogue. You're going to have to pay attention to syntax also because there's depth to be had in the syntax. So you have to pay attention to stuff like that. And I felt like it, as a writer, when I noticed that, I was like, "There's not supposed to be a comma there." And then it's the paragraphs. Yeah. Com- it's it's essentially about comma placement. And I felt like it's it was also his like way of saying acknowledging to other writers, like, "Hey, uh, this is for you." So yeah. I, I felt like, yeah, I, I noticed that very cool moment in the book. So there's this girl that Holden likes to talk about also, Jane. Jane, we never get to meet her for real. Yeah. Right? It was always... <laughs> yeah, so what's, what's your interpretation of why he likes to talk about her a lot or what she represents in the story?
1: Maybe because puppy love? Yeah.
0: For me, it's like uh, he, he keeps saying that he wants to talk with her. Like, uh, I should go call Jane or I should go yeah, meet Jane. but
1: does Jane really exist? But he
0: never does this. He has a vision and understanding of who Jane is in yeah. his mind. Like, yeah, you know, puppy love, like... And, and maybe
1: he doesn't want to destroy that image of exactly.
0: Jane. Exactly. Like That's why. I think the reason he doesn't want yeah. to meet and talk to her is because he wants to preserve again that part that that part of Jane in his mind. And like that That's would why be he the was eternal so truth. the whole
1: time. Strad mm-hmm. later Strad was talking about talking about Jane yeah. because he didn't want the divergencized Jane. Yeah. yeah. If she yeah. was even
0: right. So again, it's it 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 gives us a clue into. Holden's whole philosophy of like not wanting to embrace the future and the present just yet. Yeah. He just wants to cling to the past as the much past. as possible. Yeah, so on page 41, uh, there's actually an interesting uh, moment there where he's about to leave school and then they're having this like snowball fight. And then, hold on, let me read that passage. I went over to my window and opened it and packed a snowball with my bare hands. The snow was very good for packing. I didn't throw it at anything though. I started to throw it at a car that was parked across the street. But I changed my mind. The car looked so nice and white, then I started to throw it at the hydrant. So since the, I, feel, I feel like in Holden's mind, the car being white, it represents the purity and the innocence of Oof. childhood, and he just didn't want to mess with that. that So he just threw it yeah, on, on the he, red, d- yeah. he just threw it towards the red fire hydrant. And like it's, it's passages like that in the book where like it's not explicitly said what Holden yeah. is thinking. But you're going to have, once you really think about it, it's like there, there's a reason why he acts uh, the way the that way he, does. he does. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I just love little tidbits like that.
1: But I think it's also um, presented when he went to um, his sister Phoebe's school, mm-hmm. when he would see all the fuck you vandalism yes, in the wall. Yes. And then he was he so wanted, pressed yeah. because of that.
0: The museum, right? It was when he oh, took, I, took sure the museum. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, the remembered. Or... Yeah. There's this very, for me, the one of the most important. I don't know. I guess I'm, I might be overhyping this, but for me, it's one of the most important passages in literature of the 20th century. And we're going to use it as a teaser on social media for this for this episode. Um, I'm gonna say it to you now. So he's describing his his brother Ali. So this entire book is written in the first person, but it's in the past tense. So he's in the mental institution and he's talking about everything that's happened in past events. So this is the entire passage of the book. So what I did, I wrote about my brother Ali's baseball myth. It was a very descriptive subject. It really was. My brother Ali had this left-handed fielder's myth. He was left-handed. The thing that was descriptive about it, though, was that he had poems written all over the fingers in the pocket and everywhere in green ink. He wrote them on it so that he'd have something to read when he was in the field and nobody was up at bat. He's dead now. That sentence, "He's dead now," is the only sentence in the entire book that's written in the present tense.
1: Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. So
0: again, it's like it's something that only a writer would notice. Would notice, yeah. And that line signifies that that's the only thing that's on his mind in that moment. He's dead now. Like the importance of that line, it it it's a clue into what's what's at the back of Holden's mind essentially. Yeah. Like, um, it's it's really his brother's death that's causing all of all his trauma. His, yeah. So like, bad. if you notice that line, that's it. That's the spoiler for the entire book. Like everything that happens in the book is because he can't deal with this the fact Bro- that his brother is dead. dead. Yeah. And I feel like wow. Like when I read that, I was like. <gasps> cell is so <laughs> like again you know it's little details like that you really you, you have to pay attention to I don't know I just really love it um, I have something to ask you he he does he asks this to his cab drivers a lot uh, about, about the, the, duck. the ducks in Central Park because it's getting cold you know and, yeah. and he, he keeps on wondering about why the ducks where, where the ducks, the ducks go. would go I want to t- have get your take on why why would that be so important to hold in Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but well, did like, you find it weird? Like he was very specific about that question. Yeah. Yeah.
1: W- was it like symbolic to yeah. anything? Yeah. Like what did you think? Did it symbolize? Okay,
0: so homeless um,
1: people. Like
0: what? I, I, actually, um, I'm going to steal this from uh, another author named John Green when he was talking about Catcher in the Rye. John Green said. The importance of books with metaphors like this is because metaphors give us a better glimpse into the reality of life. For example, when you're a kid in high school, he says, yeah. like if you ask someone, "So, are you interested in dating anyone right now?" like that's what yeah. you're saying, but what you are really thinking is, "Are you really are you interested in dating me right now?" Like yeah, if you, if yeah, you yeah, something yeah. like it, So, understandable. so in, in Holden's case, it's like he's so concerned about where are the ducks going to go now yeah. that the seasons are changing. But in reality, what he's really saying is, where am I supposed to go now that my life is changing and I'm just supposed to transition oh, into adulthood? Okay. Yeah, so it's like, again, it's like one of those things uh, that you really yeah. have to like...
1: To like read into. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and now that when you th- when you look at it like that, you're like, oh, then well, was just like crying out for help because he doesn't yeah. know where to go. But
1: well, he, he was uh, crying out for help in the wrong place has yeah, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: Because again, he can't trust adults. He yeah. he thinks that they're phonies. So he just goes to whoever's willing to listen to him. So, yeah, so he keeps on weird. asking where yeah. the ducks We're are going to go. Angry. But in reality, it's him. He doesn't know. Yeah. He's being forced into this phase of life that he's not ready for. And he doesn't is, know. Is it's also he's why
1: he doesn't want to have sex? Or maybe because he so. just didn't find the right person to do it? With
0: no, I think it's, it's he. I think he associates sex with something that adults do
1: because, like, it was also he
0: brags about it to his friends, like, yeah. uh, you know, I've had, I've, I'm experienced in that. In that and so he's being but maybe a phony, he just
1: didn't want to because the girl was a prostitute and he had no feelings towards her, maybe. So it's so hard yeah. for him yeah. to do it with someone, yeah. He's not, and he just wanted to talk. With. He paid yeah. her to talk. the talk, it's yeah. so sad.
0: So he like yeah. paid
1: him, paid her five dollars, it was supposed to be ten,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> and then five for the girl, five for the pimp,
0: yeah. Like, yeah, that was really oh sad, God. yeah. Do you have you want to bring up a moment? I feel like I've been I've been talking too much about the book. I'm sorry. I really am a fanboy. So it's okay. It's okay. Yeah,
1: um, so um, I yeah. don't have you know how our pod usually has moments that we're not a fan of. Yes. So this one, I don't have specific moments that I particularly dislike. Yeah. But characters, I have a few. Okay. And the character I didn't like the most was his roommate. Strad later. Because he's a of <laughs> douchey. After all, he was the one who asked Holden to do his homework because he had a date. Yeah. But he was also being a little bitch about it, complaining, even hitting Holden. And Duba, yeah. like you, you asked for something, you asked for help, and then you're complaining about it. Like yeah. it's so douchey. Yeah. And his vanity made him entirely superficial. But that's because we're looking through Holden's lenses. Yeah. So we don't really know what this Stradlater guy is like completely, you know? Yeah. And another one would be the 60-year-old doorman who beat him up. I used to feel bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> but then what he did, like... He, he, so this doorman's a pimp. And then... So in this scene, Holden only pays the prostitute $5 because they didn't do anything. Yeah. They were just talking. Were and just it talking. was so fast. Yeah. And then the pimp got so mad and he beats this kid up. Yeah. Which I didn't like. So, yeah. yeah. So, I love Phoebe the most. And maybe I was sister. meant to. Yeah, the little sister. And maybe I was meant to because Holden convinces you how yes. likable, talented, and pure is. It's from the Holden's perspective is. that you're yeah. supposed to like her. So, yeah. that's why I'm liking her. Yeah. Like, I like her because yeah. of that, like the things I hear about her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Phoebe also later okay. on. Uh, but for now I want to go back to the scene with the prostitute because there's yeah. this part when he's hanging out with her and she's she she takes off her dress it's a very supposedly a very nice looking dress according to Holden and she takes the time to hang it and to she, she puts she it asks in a clothes him hanger.
1: to hang it yeah
0: yeah and Holden felt bad in that moment and <laughs> yes. that's that really like, why and he he explains like he felt bad because he was thinking like oh she must she must not have that many clothes because yeah. she she really values that dress and she wants to make sure that it doesn't That's, get ruined. Yeah. and it made him feel bad. And it's a trend that happens again, like again when he meets the nuns and then he yeah. sees them; they're having like this really simple breakfast, and like yeah. he decides like,
1: like those. I want,
0: I want to give you money, please, please take my yeah. money, and it really depresses him to see how there are adults who uh, live life like that. And yeah, he's. I think it's his way of acknowledging his own privilege. Yeah. Right. Also. As a kid. Like, he's very self aware and, like, I'm, like he's I'm graceful, lucky. He's grateful, but at the same yeah.
1: time, he knows yeah. that he
0: is. Which is, like, again, okay. which is a sign that, like, Holden isn't a complete asshole. Yeah. Like, he, he, of he, course. He has a big heart. He's yeah. towards others. And uh, it gave, I don't know, it gave us a very, another side of him, like, a, a deeper glimpse. It, uh, there was this also, he was talking about this, like, he had this really expensive. Um, luggage that he would bring to his dorm, oh, and then he had this roommate, roommate too. who wanted to like, oh, your luggage is so nice, and so the roommate would always put his luggage on display yeah. so that people who passed by the dorm would think that it was, it was his. his. Yeah, and so and that that also made Holden feel really bad. Yeah, because like I think it it makes Holden feel bad to see that other people don't have it as good as him. As him, yeah. Right? It's like oh,
1: which is why I do not completely hate, hate the character. let yeah. Because, yeah. She's so not as bad as how other people
0: make it out to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this one anecdote that Holden talks about in the book. There's this old story where he and his friend Holden meet up and take their bikes to go playing with toy guns. Yeah. And then Ali, the younger brother who died, wants to join them, and then Holden tells him, "No, you're not. You're not allowed to join us yet." Yeah. You know, and he 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 admitted that he whenever he talks. He admitted that he likes to talk to Ali whenever he's depressed because Ali gives him comfort and yeah. whatever. Um, and that that particular memory, I feel like, it really stuck with Holden because that was an opportunity for Ali to play around and be a real kid and be yeah. like, you know. And Holden denied him of that opportunity, and so that guilt really stuck with him. And uh, that's why now he 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 just wants kids to be kids as yeah. much as possible, and it ties to the ending where he sees his little sister going around the carousel. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it, like, it doesn't make it's not something that Holden would understand. Like, he doesn't understand the fun in that, but he sees how much fun, fun his it sister is. for is, the yeah. sister. And that's yeah. like it. That that was how the book ended, and I, I don't know. It's like uh, it made it's me feel bad ending. for Holden yeah. so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made me feel really bad for him yeah so the Holden. the point is uh further reinforced when he was in New York, and then he saw a kid walking with his parents on the sidewalk, and yeah. then he was singing about a song about Rai. remember that's where uh like he was humming yeah, or singing yeah, yeah. Or a song about Rai and then Holden actually admits that the first time that uh, kids make him happy, like seeing a kid yeah. doing that makes him happy, so you know it's another clue into what his motivations are as a character. Um, I want to talk about this particular moment in the museum when he's with uh Dude. Phoebe.
1: Ah, okay.
0: I thought the two boys. So he was describing the environment in the museum when he was with his little sister. So I'm just going to read the passage. The birds nearest you were all stuffed and hung, hung up on wires. And the ones in back were just painted on the wall. But they all looked like they were really flying south. And if you bent your head down and sort of looked at them upside down, they looked in an even bigger hurry to fly south. The best thing, though, in that museum was that everything always stayed right where it was.
1: Yeah.
0: So again, it's another insight into how Holden hates change and how he's so scared of change and he just wants everything. He just she wants just to pause this. time. Yeah. I love those little tidbits like that because it, it it's it's Holden at his most vulnerable. Yeah. And I feel like that's when he's most likable. Also, what what did you think of Phoebe and Holden's relationship?
1: I find it nicer. They are very
0: like, cute, right? Yeah. Like, uh like
1: Phoebe really looks up to him.
0: Like. Yeah, and it's so obvious that He's so he's so concerned for her and like, yeah. he really loves her. It just made my heart melt the way that he talked about her in the book.
1: And the way that Phoebe gave up all, his, like, Christmas, all her yeah. Christmas savings for so Holden. So he could run away. Yeah, so yeah. He could, yeah. yeah. And I found that or when she wanted to run away with Holden, yeah. like, it just showed how much she also loved her brother.
0: Yeah.
1: Or maybe she didn't want to lose another brother. Because basically like that's true. She's also the,
0: dealing with that trauma. Yeah, because yeah.
1: like the first brother's in Hollywood. So he's like gone. And then the other brother died. And then Holden's running away. So it's like she's left alone. So she wanted to be with them. Yeah. I feel.
0: Towards the end of the book, there's this uh, monologue that uh, Holden says. Uh, he, he's, he, it's this anecdote about this public speaking class that he took. And yeah. he had a classmate that like, who who was trying to give a speech and then all of his classmates were yelling, digression, digression, you're digressing yeah, from yeah, the topic. I yeah.
1: hated that part. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's 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 actually Him. Cool then. Yeah. Right? The entire book he starts he, starts, he's, he exactly. starts a point and then he doesn't finish it. He doesn't see it through all the way. Yeah. so I mean, he starts
1: talking about something else. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I interpreted that to mean like um uh he couldn't finish any of his ideas thoroughly because number one, either it ha- he has a manic personality, or number two, he doesn't He's afraid of what he's gonna find once he finishes an actual thought. Like he's scared ah. of what the truth is going to be. So that's why the he like off. when he sees that his thought process is going somewhere dangerous, he just changes the topic, topic entirely. In a exactly. yeah It's way, like, exactly. Uh, uh, that's a another, again. That's another good insight into Holden's mind. Do you have any more moments that you want to talk about? Because I think I just have one more. It's to the last scene when he's looking at Phoebe and yeah. Oh no, wait! We never talked about the the hunting hat. The hunting hat that he wears. Yeah. like The red hunting hat. So um, there's a lot of uh, speculation about what the hunting hat represents. But yeah, Holden actually only wears that hat when he's at his most scared or when he's most vulnerable. Remember how the story starts out with he leaves this, the hockey team's equipment the, the before one... they board the train or something yeah. like that. And so the team ends up losing even though they never actually play the game because they end up having to forfeit because they don't have the equipment. And right after that, Holden <laughs> buys the hat. So I feel like the hat represents like Holden wanting to shield himself from his the truths of his trauma or like whenever he's feeling scared, he feels like the yeah. hat gives him strength. It makes him feel like I should act That's like everything. I'm a guy who's yeah. worthy of wearing this hat. I don't know. That's just my interpretation of it. But I, don't, I can't say for sure. I... I, re- I remember as you were reading this and then I kept on messaging you like well, how do you feel about it and then you kept on messaging me like uh it's so far I'm not feeling anything <laughs> like that yeah and, yeah and that I was like also. okay that's interesting i mean like i uh, that's I, that's interesting to hear. And then once you messaged me last night, I think, was it last night? Like, did this book make you cry when you were yeah. writing your reviews? Like, I, And then I said, I said, what? Uh, I thought you didn't feel anything. And then that's when I realized, like, maybe it takes a while for the things to hit you. To hit. Yeah.
1: No, I I think I'm gonna... No, you know, okay. So the reason why I really felt bad, because when you... I think... See, I'll share my final thoughts. And then yeah, go ahead. I'm and... also in
0: my final thoughts already. So...
1: This isn't news anymore how people dismiss individuals like the main character without pausing to think about the underlying issues, what triggers him, why he thinks the way he thinks. And us readers, we already see that. Like Mm -hmm. we already know what's been happening. Yeah. But a lot of us still remain unforgiving about his whining, among others. But you can't blame people for not having, you can't also blame people for not having the time of day trying to dissect or understand this individual because they also have their life to deal with, their own problems. So this book will either make you feel annoyed with the main character or sympathize. But regardless, there's always a way of dealing with things and I hope we choose the kinder way. So the reason why I felt bad, like I was like i eyed making the review, was like, we already like, these people complaining about how much they hate Holden, mm-hmm. they already know that Holden had
0: went through, a, went went through, through stuff
1: a lot and yet they still judge him right? judge him nah. Yeah. Na, he's so annoying I hate the character I hate the book like Mer, yeah. you already have a glimpse yeah. of how he is but and yet you still choose to be you yeah. still choose to feel that way towards him so I felt yeah. bad for him now. Yeah. Mer, wow he's so alone he's so yeah. lonely yeah. you know like yeah. poor poor Holden
0: yeah. <laughs> I love that you put it that way because I don't think the intention of the book is for you to like Holden at all. You're just supposed to understand him.
1: Yeah, supposed to understand him, but yet people complain and whine about whining Holden. So I found that, you know, like, wow, you guys are so unforgiving.
0: Right, yeah. Um, The Catcher in the Rye is a very tricky book to review. For a number of reasons, for one, it talks of very sensitive subject matter, like mental health, especially at the time, the 50s, 60s. You know, nobody was talking about mental health as openly as we do now. Not not many people were informed about mental, mental health, health as we yeah. are now. Um, it the underlying theme of the book is that Holden is undergoing a very difficult mental struggle. There are concepts that um, not all people are comfortable with confronting or are capable of processing even today like even with all the information that we have not everyone is fully equipped to discuss mental health so openly yeah. and so uh, eloquently and that's why this is such a complex book whatever depth or meaning you derive from it is really dependent on you on you exactly yeah, it's, I mean like it's really on you to the more that you're able to extract from this book the more you're going to enjoy, to enjoy it. it but to if you like don't it, have yeah. if you don't put in that effort it, it's not it's not. <laughs>
1: it's just gonna be uh, it's just an uh, Yeah. it's I'm really because nothing yeah.
0: happens it's like Yeah, that's true. It's non-existent and it's really up to you. It's hard to judge the book on, on its own because, again, it's really dependent on the reading experience of the reader also. Yeah. And for me personally, it's a book that was targeted more to me. And it spoke to me because I put in that effort. I wanted to figure out what everything meant. And I was surprised the second time around reading it that I was still learning some stuff, seeing some stuff that I didn't see the first time. And I'm looking forward. I'm probably gonna read it again. Truth be told, a (laughs) few, a few years into the future. It's just just like one of those books that the attention to detail that Challenger puts into the book. It's, it's very unlike any. It's very Hemingway-esque. The attention to detail that Challenger puts into this book and. It's amazing again if you're looking for a light read not not for you not
1: for you yeah
0: but if you want something that you can really sink your teeth into and you like you want to challenge yourself and like you really figure out how to dissect characters meaningfully go ahead get this book it's a very important read it's one of the most important books that's ever been published. I will stand by that statement. That's why even though Mariana gave it three stars, I'm giving it five stars. My first five-star book. I
1: never gave a book five stars
0: yet. (laughs) Yeah. This is my first five-star book on the podcast. So, uh, yeah. Wow. This is one of the two books that I was most excited to talk about in the podcast. The other one is The Great Gatsby. Whether or not we will be talking about that book in the future, wait and see. Yeah. Uh, I guess that concludes our review of The Catcher in the Rye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, thank you to our sponsors, From Here, Coworking Space. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at From Here, Coworking Space. It's a really great space for you to just come work. And thank you, listeners, for listening to us talk about the catcher in the rye. Uh, We hope to catch you in future episodes. Please follow us on Instagram at FictionFriendsPH on Instagram. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five star rating. It really helps to push our podcast. out there. there. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Tell us what you felt about Catching the Rye. Did you hate it? Do you love it? Yeah. You can comment on our Instagram. Send us messages about it if you want. Uh, we're, yeah. we'll, we'd be willing to engage with you on social media. Talk of course, to you about your friends. thoughts on the books. Yeah. We're looking for friends. Also, if you want uh, us to review certain books, right? We're yeah. open to... We're always
1: we're... actually talking to people on yeah. our Instagram account. Like yeah. We're always talking about a certain book to yes. someone. Yeah. Like How they feel about yeah. the podcasts we already launched. Yeah. Like They usually also talk about the book.
0: Yeah. That's so if true. you're
1: looking for someone to talk to about a certain book, yeah. because there's no one there.
0: Yeah, that's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> and then um we're also in the process of planning our lineup for season two. So if you have any suggestions for books you want us to review, please send us please send, send them yeah. over to us. Let be, us know. And maybe we might even let you be a part of that conversation. So we'll, yeah. we'll we'll see. Um so yeah, again, thanks for listening. That does it for our review of Catcher in the Rye by JD Salinger. Uh goodbye, guys.
1: Bye.